Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Greengrass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Now, Bears, etc. with the voices of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. Big Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak with you from Hallis Hall, and we are opening a new chapter in our broadcasting history, Big Tom. Uh, this is my first go around on our own podcast here with the Chicago Bears. It's called Bears Etc. Our debut edition here from Hattles Hall, the first day of availability with head coach Matt Eberflus and general manager Ryan Poles. We'll hear from some players as well and a exclusive interview with wide receiver DJ Moore coming up in the program. They tell us, Tom, we're supposed to just have fun with this. So are you ready to have some fun? Well, you know what, Jeff? I'm glad we didn't debut the podcast until today because I don't want to talk about the past. I want to talk about the everyday future. And I think that's one of the unique opportunities for you and I is when we do go to practice, we're able we're able to talk about it in a real-time sense. And so if we're talking about and speculating about what they went through in the offseason, I almost think that's a waste of time. So I'm happy the debut is today. And I look forward uh, to, you know, going on with this season. And we have plenty of sponsors as well. Miller Lite, the official beer of the Chicago Bears. Tastes like Miller time, Chicago. I I love the first thing that really came out of Ryan Poles' mouth today, and that is attack the process, because all of this is a process. It was kind of echoed along with some of the players. Justin Fields, you'll hear from DJ Moore. Tremaine Edmonds said kind of the same thing. Eddie Jackson. And that process started when these guys ended 2022 and got into their mindset and direction for 2023. And here we are on the eve of the first practice at training camp discussing attacking the process. As a former player and a star guard for the Chicago Bears and the Miami Dolphins, what does attack the process mean to you? Um, believe in the guidelines that they set out for you after the last season concluded, what they expect out of you, body weight, measurement, and strength, what they want you to do in terms of mentally so you can advance in the competitiveness of your position. But it's got to be about everybody believing it. It can't be one of three guys are starting to believe in your message and then all of a sudden you, you have kind of an unconnected commitment. Here I think you have a connected commitment by every single guy in the locker room that's creating an opportunity for themselves. And so I like uh, Ryan Poles' choice of words, but I think when you have everybody connected in the way that we're hearing, in the way that it seems uh, where they are in this, in, in the direction they need to go, it's important. You know what? I had a conversation with Matt Eberflus over the weekend, and uh, one thing that really resonated with me, because you and I talk about this all the time, and we talked about it on our show, Bears Weekly, on Monday night, is that it is very difficult to guarantee when you bring players in, especially guys coming out of the draft, and the Bears are draft-heavy right now. The last two years, we saw how many snaps they played last year, is finding 53 guys that love the game not just the money that comes with it. And Matt Eberflus feels he's got a locker room of guys who love the game. So I asked him, I go, well, how do you know? He goes, you put on the tape. You put on the tape and you watch how they play. Is that pretty much the essence of it? I mean, you know, and I know, (laughs) that you love the game to this very second. So I would never have to worry about a Tom Thayer type of player. But when do you know? 
Well, you know, I think if you can match the commitment within the guys that you're looking eye to eye at in the locker room, because you know the alpha males in that locker room. If you can live up to their expectations of their work habits, their accomplishments, then you know that you're going to get better. But when you talk about commitment to the game and love of the game, it's a 12-month-a-year process. I have to see a guy that enjoys going into the weight room, is excited when he sees Pierre and Jimmy Arthur in the weight room, waiting for these guys to encourage him to get stronger, because I think that is contagious as what they do on the field. But I think when you get a group of guys that like and respect each other, they encourage each other to work harder and put more effort into their skills. And when Ryan Poles was talking about he's really encouraged by the guys that went down and participated in some of the throwing events with Justin Fields. That's a part of that 12-month process that's equally as important to anything they do during the season. All right, that cues up a a great point in this uh, broadcast right now to turn to wide receiver DJ Moore, who talked about that very thing, the connection with Justin Fields and more. Take a listen. You're helping us out here big time. This is the debut of the Mm -hmm. Bears Etc. podcast, first Bears podcast ever, and you're our first guest. So thank you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. That's a pleasure to be the first on there. Yes, yes. Do you listen to podcasts? I do listen to podcasts. What is your uh, flavor? What do you like? Uh, more like on YouTube, the podcast on YouTube, with uh, all the different interviews and stuff. But uh, sports related or no, it, other? It could things? be anything sports, uh, like music, culture, uh, even down to like lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, for an older guy. It's uh, it's not something I, I've gotten into, but you know, slowly but surely. So it is certainly a wave of the future, and there are so many things to uh, to learn about. Have you always been a huge sports fan, regardless of just playing football? Do you like all the sports? Uh, I haven't been a huge sports fan, but I do like all the sports. Like I like track, baseball. I don't really watch too much basketball, but I played it growing up. Uh, follow soccer. Like I like sports, but I just don't want to do all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're rocking that uh, White Sox red cap version with the white letters. Uh, great old emblem. Uh, how'd you discover this uh, lid? Uh, I had a few White Sox uh, hats back in college, uh, so huh. when I, I needed new ones, I just got a red one uh, back then, and I had to get a new one, so I got one like few weeks ago it looks good it looks good i always like those uh the old school that was uh from the the 60s and 70s so uh why white Sox? why yeah i have no clue uh for some reason i always like chicago and i just like the Sox logo so but i do have a cubs hat and i don't want to no you can't do that no feathers around here so i got both no, you can't. Uh, the excitement around you, I know when we first met, the first day you walked in here, you kind of felt it already, mm-hmm. uh, not only from the building but the outside, and the longer you've been around, uh, how would you characterize the excitement you feel about Bears football from just the people you've walked into and ran into over the course of your time? Oh, The fans, everybody, they're just ready for us to get on the field and put pads on and finally go live so they can be witness to something special that's going on here. Yeah, and so in the locker room, do you feel the same? Yes, everybody's excited in the locker room. I know we just got back, and everybody's so excited. It was talking to each other, hugging each other, and just ready to go. It was a play during one of the OTAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was standing on the sideline, and Justin threw. You made a double move, I think it was. Justin threw a deep ball, and, and you didn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. And you knelt down there and was just looking out, 
looking back at him for the longest period of time, and it stuck with me, it resonated with me. I don't know if you remember this particular play, but do you, when you do something like that, are you trying to evaluate what you were going to do next if you would have caught that ball or how that didn't maybe happen? I mean, it was a, to me it was an important thing, and then you came back and talked to him. Yeah, uh, it was more of like, where did I go wrong at at what part of the route did I not uh, get up to speed to get under the ball to catch it? So it was more of like me reflecting on the route that I just did and all the steps that I went through. See, I think that's big. Yeah, I, I don't know if the average fan would, would care about that, but for me it just talked about the being a professional, like yeah. really caring about every single detail to the tenth of a second. Because really in this sport – whether it's offensive line play with footwork or where your hand goes, uh, the slightest adjustment makes a difference between failure and success. And I, I'm sure you have that in your receiving game with route running and steps and yes. timing, right? Yeah, it's a, it plays a big part. Uh, you could take one one step in and the ball be placed outside, and then you're like, dang, that's my fault. Or the quarterback going to feel like, oh, man, that's, that's my fault. When in doubt – it's always probably like the receiver fault for doing something wrong like that. You know, we're in the era now, and I don't know if this happened back in the day. Things are different with uh, OTAs now and what the what the old school guys did. But when your quarterback calls you up, say, "Hey, we're getting together. We're going to Fort Lauderdale for a, for a week or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and we're going to work out a little bit together." Uh, it's funny. It's like the bat phone rings right. and you're going right. <laughs> how how important is that nowadays? Uh, it's, it's real important, especially uh, the newcomers. Uh, like I wasn't able to make it, but I know they had a good time. But we threw before he went down there. So when he called, it was like, all right, I'm coming. So Because I knew I couldn't make it to Florida. But and doing stuff like that is very special. You know, uh, builds those camaraderie and then those relationships on top of that. But also getting good work in, so that's good to do. You know, it just seems from watching you guys together, and again, in the few snapshots that I've been mm-hmm. able to see, or just hearing you talk about him and Justin talking about you that it's almost been an instant chemistry, an instant connection between you guys. Yeah. Would you say that's a fair representation? Uh yes, and we still got a long way to go <laughs> through camp. So we going it might even get stronger and it might even get a little weird, but it, it's gonna be a, a good weird. So <laughs> what do you mean by weird? Uh people gonna think that we like in sync. Like it's <laughs> gonna be crazy. But that's that's key. I mean, every great quarterback has had a great receiver with him yeah. or a great tight end. Uh, and you guys grow together, and that's, you know, just like NBA. When you watch NBA, you know, got to kind of have three guys, three right. guy triplets thing, and then you build around it, and it just kind of takes off. That's that's the chemistry that helps everybody else. Uh, how do you continue to forge forge that? Uh, constant communication, uh, looking over the bad plays, uh, even the good plays, but mainly the bad to see where the miscommunication or misrep was. Uh, to better it. You feel like a new man coming yeah. here? I do feel like a new man. Uh, it lit another, another, it lit another uh, flame under my, uh, my belt, so I'm ready. I'm thinking you don't need too many flames lit no. to, get, to get all jacked up. Uh, how would you assess the rest of the room? Because when a, a number one receiver comes mm-hmm. in, everything gets slotted, and everybody's best attributes are on display. Do right. you think that's happening here, a, a domino effect for the rest of the room? Uh, I want to say so. Uh, we get Mooney back. I seen Chase. Chase was, Chase was good during OTA. So 
I'm really I'm excited to see Mooney. I seen EQ uh step up, Dante stepped up, Bayless. Bayless is fast, so he he's a blazer and I, I'm wait, I'm ready to see what he does. And Tyler Scott's a blazer yes, too. I'm waiting to see him unleash his speed see who faster, him or Bayless. You know, if you could send a message to Bears fans on this debut podcast about what 2023 could bring to this city and how this team is going to look week one, how would you kind of frame that a little bit for us? Ooh. Exciting. Excitement. A spark. Yeah. Well, it takes one match to light a fire, buddy. Yes. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll talk to you again on this podcast. Thank you. DJ Moore. Tom, I'm really impressed with DJ's Moore's uh, professionalism, number one. I, I, I watched it during the OTAs, just how he handles himself. We touched on it in the interview uh, when he was just trying to make sure he's calibrating the right rhythm and, and continuity with his quarterback. But the instant connection between these two, that has to come naturally. It just can't, you just can't say, oh my gosh, the Bears got a number one receiver now, DJ Moore, and they're going to have an instant connection with Justin Fields. No, it's got to be something they work at it. But he said something today as well. He said, you know, I will be friends with Justin Fields the rest of my life. That's how quickly this has, has, has gone together. And, and to me, that will be significant on how it sets up the rest of the offense. How about you? Well, you know, the approach to football, he mentioned how once and uh, a couple times during OTAs that they made eye contact communication. And I, I think that says a lot about their building relationship. Because when you talk about a free agent coming into a locker room that's looking for establishment, it's not immediately connected. You need to have a little bit of time, a little bit of conversations inside the, whether you're in a meeting room or you're in the lunchroom and those types of things galvanize the relationship between each other. You know, and I DJ Moore when he was at the podium, they said, what do you like to do? And he says, I like to watch movies and make popcorn. <laughs> My mom made popcorn every single day of her <laughs> life Jeff, until she was 87 years old. I want to ask DJ Moore, does he make it the old fashioned way or does he throw one of those bags in the microwave? And that'll tell me a little bit more about DJ Moore. Well, how do you do it? You, you do the old fashioned way? I'd the burn the house place. down. I'd burn the house my down. Mom, my mom picked the right type of pans to make popcorn on the stove. And she had real strict requirements of them. And uh, I just found, I just found that. Uh, funny by by DJ. Yeah, if I had a guess, and I didn't get to ask him this question, obviously we'll do it down the road. My guess is it's the microwave version, right? We're all we I all know. want everything right away. I listen. If you make a point of saying you watch movies and you like popcorn, I think that DJ does it the old fashioned way. And so maybe in the next couple of days yeah. we'll have a chance to rub elbow and ask him. All right, we're gonna put a wager on this one, Tom. You're gonna make me your famous uh, uh, tacos. Yes. And then, uh, and if I lose, I'll make you, uh, gosh, what can I make you? No, Listen. I'm a, hey, I'm a good cook too, buddy. Right. But I'm not, a good know, cook too. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking is not the same as popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I had to, I had to bring this up before we keep talking about some of the interviews today. Um, Matt Eberflus, true to form because you go into his office and you see all the greats in Bears history, all the Hall of Famers, the pictures on his wall right behind his desk and you, it's, it's significant. I mean, it, it sends a message. And he's always embraced the history of this organization right out of the gate. But to, to talk about Walter Payton's birthday today, July 25th, uh, he would have been 70 years old. Or, as I might say, he would have been 70 years young because that's how yeah. he was, right? Uh, th when you heard that, I know how important he was to you. 
and how you think about him all the time. It's an ever-present reminder when you're at the Peyton Center or you hear his name or you mention anything about, you know, it's funny how we're talking about running back so much in the league. Uh, how did that hit you a little bit? You know, early, early this morning, I was watching TV on a national show, and they brought it up in the show. And it it kind of shocked me a little bit because I can't imagine Walter as a 70-year-old. I can only see Walter as a 35-year-old, full of energy, full of love, full of toughness, as committed as a football player, businessman, father, husband, as, as you could possibly get in this world. And so I was super excited um, to hear Matt Eberflus pay his respects to Walter's 70th birthday. But, you know, when you get up at 5.30 in the morning, you turn the TV on, and all of a sudden there is a show that is paying their tributes to the great Walter Payton. It tells you a little bit about what who Walter touched. He didn't only touch Bears fans in the Chicagoland community. He touched sports fans around the world. You know, uh, Ryan Poles, and I don't know what kind of notes you took on all these news conferences today, but uh, having a championship mindset, which is really top-down, that, that is coming from – Obviously, the McCaskey family, it's coming from new president and CEO Kevin Warren, but Ryan talks about it all the time, a championship mindset. And we know Walter had a championship mindset. From the first time you met him in the huddle and you were like, oh, my gosh, I'm in the huddle with Walter Payton. That's that's even before Walter became what he became. And then right behind you, we're we're on a Zoom call looking at each other right now. Tom's at his home. I'm at Hallis Hall. And the the picture of of the Bears behind you there, that iconic picture, and I see Hamp and the sweat on his shirt. I mean, that group had a championship mindset. Uh, what, what does championship mindset mean to you? Because it can mean different things to b- different people. Well, you know, whether it's the picture or you look at the roster of the 85 team and you look at every one of those guys and you look at what their traits of success were, and they were all different. Whether it's Willie and world-class speed or Hampton and McMichael, the most unbelievable tough combo of defensive tackles, the intelligence and the commitment by Mike Singletary that he put into the job, the overall love and ferociousness of Wilbur Marshall and Otis Wilson and all the other guys. And I think you got to be a close group of guys because you have to have the conversations that you're having as an offensive lineman with a defensive back as much as any other positions are enjoying talking to each other. And I think when Ryan uh, Poles sets his sight on the type of building blocks that he wants to put in the locker room to build that championship caliber team, I think he's doing it in the exact way that we we hoped it would be done and we want to see him flourish because of it. And I think the stronger the locker room gets, the more successful they'll be on the practice field, and that will result in wins. Now, really underscoring it is mastering your craft first is what Poles said. That bleeds into the entire unit, your entire unit, and confidence believing, not hoping they can win. And, boy, when that when that turns. Now, a guy like Eddie Jackson who spoke today, Tremaine Edmonds, who, who certainly had a lot of success in Buffalo with an AFC championship team and a near Super Bowl con, uh, contender every year, you know, that that confidence has to come from those veteran guys to trickle down to the to the young guys. But let's let's leave that behind. Eddie said he's sick of losing. He hates losing. I mean, you got to hate losing more than you love winning to win. And do you think that can be cultivated here this year? You know what? If you're if you're a group of guys that converge at Hallis Hall tomorrow and get ready to start training camp 
and you're on the field getting ready to prepare, if you ever thought that there was a season that you could go out and win the division and accomplish everything you wanted, this is the year. I don't care how long you have or haven't been together, but there's a lot of pieces within this division are moving around. And, um, you know, Eddie said, you know, you got to win the division first, and that's going to give you your opportunity to get in the playoffs. And I do think this is a team that needs to be focused um, on a first place um, division championship at the end of the season. And I, I think that um, they have the right caliber of players that if they take that next significant step of improvement, that they are a team that can accomplish exactly what they're setting out for. All right, shame on me. We're about 20 minutes into this thing, and I haven't touched on the old line because as much as everybody's talking about QB1 and Justin Fields and where he needs to improve, and he was asked where he thinks he needs to improve, and he wouldn't give anybody any details. Uh, we know what they are, though. We certainly do. But the offensive line, and you hear that Darnell Wright comes in, uh, as Ryan Pohl said, crush the conditioning test. And I don't know what goes into that, but lost weight, trimmed his body fat, uh, cares, wants to be really great. And that is important, the mental toughness, because tough days are coming. You got to be locked and loaded and ready to go. And how encouraging is it to hear that your top pick and a cornerstone piece for the offensive line is locked in and ready to go? You know, I'm really excited that the guys are here. They've been been together all OTAs. This is where I'm having just a little (laughs) bit of worry is in the first three days of practice, it's going to average about 95 degrees. And what you've been doing to get ready in the last 40 days is not what you're going to face in the next three days. So I just want Darnell to go out there and – feel at ease and understand what, you know, everything that he's going to do, take to learn about his job, about the specific techniques, how to learn about Nate Davis and be the dominant player he has a chance to be. But, you know, we've seen guys, even no matter what conference they come out of, where they're born and raised, they come here, hit the field with that blue helmet on, with that guardian shield over the top of it, those blue jerseys on, and all of a sudden that 100 feels like 110. And, you know, that's part of the test of your mental structure, how, you know, how tough of a person you are. All right, this is a weird question because I know what it was like in Platteville because I started covering the Bears in 85. The 85 team was the first time I started covering sports. So I saw what you guys went through, and that is, you know, the sprints after practice, the two-a-days, and just dripping wet in the heat up there. Uh, I know you were in the USFL in Arizona did you guys practice outdoors or indoors in Arizona and how hot was it? Or because it was a different time of year, the temperature was adequate. And did you fear practice more about the heat than you did your opponents across the line of scrimmage and what you were going to be going through? The, the super, super hot days in Platteville, yeah. I did worry about that because I was susceptible to having, to having cramping problems. And it's a painful, painful thing to go through. So that, but in Arizona, because it was so hot during the daytime, we showed up at the facility at four o'clock in the afternoon. We met from four o'clock until six o'clock. When the sun went down, we practiced from six thirty to eight thirty at night. Okay. Um, and so we never faced the abuse of abusive heat like um, 
these guys are going to face in the next couple of days. But again, you know, when you, when Matt and Ryan talk about the development of the camaraderie and the teamwork and what these guys learn to, you know, be in the locker room, those are some of the most difficult days that make your team the closest because every single guy is going through it the same. So there's nothing more fun than going in the locker room after a practice like that and get into that big complaining session. We used to call it a different word, but <laughs> it's nice when you can only have your teammates to complain around. And that's what kind of is fun of being on a team. Do you, so explain to people because you've told me what happens to you if you, uh, Cannot deal with the heat. You're you're a sweater, number one. Yeah. So you sweat significantly. But when you say it's a painful process, because I've never experienced that, what happens to your body? It, you know, your body's a muscle. All the muscles that are so dehydrated that it, they, it cramps up. And it's so painful that you can feel it start. And then once you get to a level where you got to IV yourself, and I had to do it a bunch of different times, on airplanes, in my dorm room at Platteville, laying on the ground in the locker room after the game. and But, uh, you know, I, that's that's just me because, you know what, and that's why I say the coach that I like the most in the organization now is the, hydrate, the hydration and the diet coach because we never had that type of advice. And we are out there just trying to survive on our own. And if I would have had the advice of the, the people that that's their department, they would have helped me as much as Clyde Emmerich did in the weight room. Yeah, the performance staff is something else. Uh, it's not just uh, uh, putting the right food in your body, but making sure everything is hydrated, but in a way that's so technical now and so uh, keenly a part of this that it's uh, if you don't take advantage of it, then you're not being a professional, frankly, right? You're, you you can't do it your own way. You know, I just heard something. They were talking about it on ESPN 1000 here in Chicago uh, about DK Metcalf. Did you hear about this? He was on a podcast, uh, and I don't know with whom. I, I can't recall now, but his diet. He gets yeah. up, he works out twice a day, but he has a cup of Starbucks, and then he eats a lot, bags of candy, gummies and uh lifesavers and all this other stuff. And then he has one meal at eight o'clock at night. Now he looks like an Adonis. He looks right. like you back in your day, uh, yeah. just yoked up. How does a, how does someone's, is it because he's in his twenties, he can survive this or is he just working out so hard? He's burning off everything. He's got a superior metabolism okay. and he's got the God gifts of having, uh, the physique that you are blessed with, but it's, it takes a lot more than that to get to where, what he looks like. But, you know, there's, you know, when, when we didn't have access to food during the day, I would, I would come to practice. I would drink coffee all day. And sometimes I never had my first meal until I left the facility. Matt Suey was a guy that always used to have a, a pocket full of hard candy. Really? And that's what he ate during the Are day. Are you so, kidding me? No. That's, so, that's I mean, crazy. You know, that, that's the funny thing about it where, you know, it's hard to control everything, you know, that, that people do. It's not, it would be nice having access to it though, like they do today. Which leads me to game day snacking calls for good foods, chunky guacamole made with Haas, avocados, tomatoes, onions, cilantro, and a squeeze of lime juice. Perfect snack to watch while the bears win. Score some today at your local grocery store. Game day 
is Guac Day and score huge savings on an impressive lineup of items with Jewel Osco for you. The handy app features hot digital deals on everything from premium produce and savory snacks to butcher fresh meat and more. Get additional details at jewelosco.com. This is Bears, etc. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak, our maiden voyage. We heard from DJ Moore earlier today. Hey, what do you want out of this podcast over the long term? We're going to come to you during the season twice a week. We're, we're told, we're, you know, we're supposed to have some fun here, and we're trying to do that, and then uh, once a week in the offseason. But it's an exciting time to, to roll out some of our thoughts because we do a lot of homework. We do a lot of information that never makes the airwaves. So uh, good storytelling time, and uh, we'll have a few guests along the way as well. Well, I, I, before every show, I want you to declare if you're in a good mood or a bad mood. <laughs> Because just how I want to let the audience know a little bit about Jeff Joniak, Mm -hmm. because as the season winds on, sometimes you're a little more sour than I am. So, well, which is saying a lot because there's some sour in you as well, my friend. I want our audience to be able to appreciate because I was looking forward to this podcast because there are hours of conversations that we have that we never let the public be a part of. And so, and there so are we're gonna we're, we're gonna let them in. We're gonna let them into our lives. Is that what we're doing? This is it, man. Listen, <laughs> there's gonna be some sour moments during the season. Yeah. that you're gonna have to talk me off the ledge, and I will, you know, try well, to do the same for you. The fact of the matter is that we we also want to win, and we have been a part of this now 27 years in some form or fashion together. This is the 27th year, 23rd for me as the play-by-play guy. And that roller coaster ride, it does impact you. I, I had a writer one time say, why do you care so much? And, and you know, you care because, A, there's nothing like it. I, I talked to a, a former player the other day. I'm not going to say who. And I said, you know, when your team is in the mix and it's December and it's already been a long grind, it's been a long season, but there's nothing really to play. You know it's not, you're not going to the playoffs. You know, you got to find somewhere to continue to capture those moments in games, right? Where you're charting the history of the game. That's what we're doing. We're doing it. We have to. You you got to do what's in front of you. You got to play what's in front of you. But when it's when you're playing for something, you're different and I'm different. You can tell when we walk into Soldier Field or any road game we go to because we know that every single snap is going to matter in that game. And I've never been more in tuned to a broadcast when every single snap matters in a game and there's something to play for. Agreed? But every minute every minute during the week matters. Yeah. And that's the thing about it. You know, you get up there on those media days and you see the, the house is packed with national media because the Bears are the story that everybody wants to cover. And when you get into that winning type of, you know, that, that winning flow – Every single day, you can't wait to get to the facility. You stay there a little bit longer. You're having longer conversations, maybe watching a little bit more tape, trying to do something different in the weight room. So winning is contagious to seven days a week and not just the, you know, the eight hours that we may go to Soldier Field with on game day. Everything else, the the plane ride homes from away games after you win a big game. It's, it's, It's just it's just a fun atmosphere to be in. And when we do come home, we fly United Airlines, official airlines of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> All right, let's hit some key topics before we wrap things up here. Uh, obviously, one of the hot-button discussion points for, for a variety of reasons is Chase Claypool. So he is ready to go. He will be on the practice field tomorrow. Uh, he's had extra time with the staff to get himself ready 
He worked with Justin Fields for a time. Fields indicated that uh, Claypool had a little cranky knee a little bit, but he's ready to go. And if he plays to his potential, that is a major, major bonus to the offense. With DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and all the other gang that, that they're going to get the ball to to spread that ball around. How important is this in your mind uh, for Jace, Chase Claypool to hit the ground running, develop that chemistry, and be an impact player? You know, last year when they brought Chase aboard, they kind of started thinking about the defenses they were going to face and how are they going to configure their um, coverage against Claypool, Darnell Mooney, and let's include Cole in there amongst the other guys. So now when you have a guy like DJ Moore along with Chase Claypool and Darnell and the tight end position they have, now you're going to get a, a kind of a better understanding of how the the defensive team that you're facing is going to try to take away your receivers. So this how DJ now is always number one. And then you got two to three split up between Darnell and Clay because of the formation. You may have an advantage, not only a height advantage, a speed advantage and an experience advantage with chase that you could take advantage of. And then if it's, if they say, Oh, we need to get a little bit more effort focused on chase Claypool. Is that going to open opportunities for DJ Moore, Darnell in the tight end position? So I just think it has a real overall effect, not only with Justin reading the coverages, how they're going to play coverages, and then where is going to open up your best opportunity um, against either a mismatch or a better route to the coverage. A couple of new additions on the bears roster. And we expect to see that throughout training camp, uh, Buddy Johnson, a linebacker from the Pittsburgh Steelers, a 4-5-8-40 guy, Tom at linebacker. He's a run-and-chase linebacker. And wide receiver Isaiah Ford, he's been, I think, on four or five different clubs, uh, Four six one forty guys, got some size to him. But, but this is it. You know, here at Alice Hall, when you go to training camp uh, on days when they're not practicing or while they're practicing, they may be practicing on fields three and four, but on fields one and two, they're working out, guys. And guys are going out to the practice field, and they're seeing guys that could take one of their roster spots. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, uh, but it happens every year. You know, Jeff, the last year I went to the Miami Dolphins, I went down there on a Wednesday, and I went off on a side field with three other guys they brought in, and we went through some drills to see who they were going to pick. And I knew the guys that I was going against that I was better than and so here we are. We're practicing over here. I can see you can see the whole offensive team looking over at us. Like who were we? What positions did we play? It was it was an awkward scenario, but it's everything you know. It's it's everything you you live for. You know, Darnell Mooney coming off his first injury in his career, and it can be a lonely road for guys. Uh, but he worked with Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson said uh, they motivated each other. Jack yep. Sanborn as well. All three will be cleared and ready to practice. Uh, excited about seeing that. But you never really were injured until you injured your back, but you didn't miss games. Um, how hard would have that been for you to go through an injury that you had to have an entire offseason to reload and try to get yourself back again? Because – there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days in the rehab. Yeah, you know, the older you get, the the more precious your weight room time your weight room time is because you got to stay strong. You have to challenge yourself. You got to be able to make sure that you're competitive on the strength side of it. But when you're rehabbing from an injury like I was doing from a back injury, there's approaches to it and it takes a long period of time. 
When Darnell Mooney went up back on the field after the Texans game and brought that jugs machine and was catching after at balls after a game, that tells me all I need to know about Darnell Mooney. He's as committed a guy as you can possibly get on a football team, and I would want him in my locker room. So him recovering from an injury doesn't surprise me. I know he's going to be 100%, and he's just the type of, you know, that's the type of commitment to the game of football that he's made. And lastly, I want to touch on Tremaine Edmonds to wrap up our first podcast, Bears Etc. podcast with Tom Thayer and Jeff Joniak. Uh, I love his attitude. He became an instant leader here. He says he's a natural-born leader, and there is still a lot of room to grow in his game. This is year six for this 25-year-old. It's strange how the numbers add up, but he says he feels great mentally. He's in a good place and trying to improve on everything and, and making deposits in those buckets uh, to be the leader that he knows he can be. Um, a guy coming into a new locker room, though, had to try to feel it out a little bit. And to his credit, he did that as well, leaning on guys like Eddie Jackson and guys who have been here because there have not been a lot of guys that have been here for a while. So it, it is a fresh start for everybody. What's your takeaway on Tremaine Edmonds at middle linebacker? Is, is, is the saying talk softly and carry a big yeah. stick or walk yeah. softly yeah. and no, carry yeah. a big yeah. stick? You can do you both. Know, he, He's a soft-spoken guy, but I think when you see him out there in no pads and then you see him out there in pads, you're going to get an understanding of how big of a linebacker this is. And then you're going to be impressed with his running skills, his ability to get in pass coverage or support, support the line of scrimmage. Listen, man, he's been successful since he's been in the NFL, and he understands the commitment from a team uh, teammates that it takes to become successful. And I think that's the type of message that you want to have inside this locker room as soon as possible. Matt Eberflus saying today we're in a day-to-day business, but the Bears are in a better spot. The roster is basically brand new with a a lot of leftovers uh, from last season that are trying to develop into big-time players for the Bears. He's looking for elite talent and named just two out of the gate. There are more, but he named Justin Fields, and he named Tremaine Edmonds. So a lot to uh, look forward to here for the Chicago Bears I know, Tom, it, it rips your heart out. Uh, practice tomorrow, but the first padded practice not until next Wednesday. And that's part of the uh, the whole league's doing it. It's part of the collective bargaining agreement. I know you don't have to like it. But it's crap. It, it, yeah, it is what it is. Now listen, it's I would, the ramp I would up. See, I would rather see the NFL teams go out there for one hour in pads than two hours in no pads. And what you can do is you can get warmed up inside the building, come out, have an individual period, have a nice stiff nine on seven, have a teamwork and full pads, and then call it a day for four or five days. Wrap yourself up that way instead of going out there in no pad nonsense. All right. Tom Thayer has spoken and his words reverberating through the National Football League and the Players Association. United Airlines, official airlines of the Chicago Bears, one of our sponsors here on the Bears Etc. podcast. That'll wrap up for today. Tom, will be back with you on Thursday. We'll review what happened on Wednesday's practice and look ahead to the weekend. How about it? Got a boy. Looking forward to it. That's Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks, Bears fans, for listening. We are underway in our Bears Etc. podcast. We'll talk to you on Thursday.